Hello, and welcome to Cinema Files Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today as a guest, we have the incomparable Noel Vega. Noel has done some second unit directing, producing, acting in some of our favorite films. One of them I can't wait to talk to him about, which is Once Upon a Time in China and America. Ten Fingers of Death. I can't wait to talk to him about those films. Noel Vega. How's everybody's day? How's everybody doing? We still got locked down, so we're all kind of locked down right now. No, I've been consistently telling you about a coffee shop down the street that I walk by when I go to the market. They're usually very packed. Runners, joggers, bikers, they just love to hang out there and, and go in a, in a pile. So you literally have to walk in the street to avoid them. But that's not my issue today. <laughs> today I was walking down the street and this one guy wear no shirt. And I'm wearing a mask, and I'm covered from head to toe. Is eating what I can only assume is an apple. It looked like an onion, but I can only assume it's an apple. And it's dripping from his hands, and he's licking his fingers, and he's lick, licking the apple, and he's eating it like a slob. Now, normally, you would just think that's disgusting. Well, that's kind of gross. Or some of you out there, he was attractive might go well that's that's very attractive but what I wanted to do was put a hazmat suit on him <laughs> I just wanted to put him in a hazmat suit put him in the back of a bus and take him away and say please don't infect any of us <laughs> give us a call 515-602-9609 I don't think there's any time to waste bring on Noel. We got a lot of a lot of things to talk about today. Let's give him a little bit of a clap track going on here. Unmuted. All right. Noel. <laughs> How are you? You got your you got your clap track. How are you doing, my friend? Good. Good morning. Morning. Now before we get started, how are you and your family doing during this lockdown? Well, you know, can't complain. Nobody listens. <laughs> well, this is the radio. We have, we have a large audience. They're forced to listen. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this uh, lockdown and listening to Master Steve Pisa and having a great time. So you're not an L.A. native. You're like me because, uh, because then you'll be totally, this is too early for me right now. <laughs> is, it, is it too early for you right now? Well, you know, it's been like, what, a month or so that nothing's really working, so there's nothing to do but binge everything, video games, <laughs> TV, or right. TV, but, you know, Netflix and Hulu and Crunchyroll. And what, what shows Disney have you been watching and, right now? You know, I've been watching so many, uh, it's confusing now. I think I just finished Ozark, the latest okay. season. I did some anime. Um I did everything from the volleyball that my niece was watching. She said it was really good. Um, nice. 
What did I do? I did some I expanded that. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did all the, uh, I think I did most of the Star Wars um cartoons on Disney. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I love those. Those are great on lockdown. Yeah, not to mention video games. So yeah, it's like sleep is like, oh, who needs it? I'm locked down anyway. <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Far Cry five. What what is your what is your favorite video oh, game wow. right now? Well, I don't really have a favorite video game. It's just I just play because uh, they all kill me. <laughs> <laughs> the games I worked on, especially the Call of Duty ones, are so hard to play because I go online and I get killed by ten year olds. I tell them, "Hey, you oh. know this is rated mature, right?" And they they start <laughs> explicit that language is, on me that I can't mention on the radio. <laughs> that is the most common thing in the world. I I remember playing years ago with, with producers and, and creators in in uh, of the of, of the Call of Duty uh, franchise COD franchise. And we were just being killed by 11-year-olds and 12-year-olds who found those little nooks and crannies. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, there, it's funny because during this lockdown, um, Infinity Ward, they have modern, version, mo- oh, sorry, modern Warfare online. And they've already booted out like 50 or 60,000 players for cheating. You know, because like, it's still common. <laughs> they, they just wait for you to respawn, and then they just rack up the points, and they just keep killing you. And you're like, oh, come on. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. And they're going straight to your, your, your spawn point. It's like, can you please, like, I know I have a spawn point. Could you give me, like, two seconds to get out of here? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I usually play um, whatever game I can play by myself, whether it's, you know, the um, classics or um, – I have a, and then I realize I have so many games that I haven't played yet. Right. Right. So I'm like, oh, gee, look at all these games that are still around. You know, that's the thing about lockdown is you, you get to discover all these games that you that you bought as a library, but you never really you never really either read or played. It's incredible. Yeah, speaking of library, I'm gonna start reading soon. Well, this is going far. <laughs> well, don't go too far. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, look at all these novels I haven't read yet. Do you know? I mean, aside from Nostradamus, do you know that Dean Koontz? He was uh, an author, I guess, in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, Dean Koontz is a great writer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the, the Eyes of Darkness was the name of the novel, which was published yes. in 1981. Right. And he actually predicted in 2020, a virus will come from China, pandemic. Right. In that book, which was published in 1981. Right. I don't know if Nostradamus inspired him or... <laughs> but I'm just saying... <laughs> You know, a lot of times authors really pick out like advancements in science, like a lot of pandemics. A lot of writers really hit a lot of nails on the head. Well, yeah, because like science is science. You can't, you know, you can't just wave a magic wand and say, right, the hoax is going to disappear. You know? <laughs> right, right. It doesn't work like that. What can I tell you? <laughs> now, in, oh, Noel, you, you're not an. I'm doing I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. What I was going to get to was you're not an LA native, so you're you're from Detroit, Michigan. Are you right? Uh, well, I lived in Detroit uh, for a while, especially when the film incentive was really strong. But originally, I'm from yeah. New York. New York. But, what part of New York? Yeah, I've lived um, Queens. You got a problem with that? No. <laughs> that sounds like somebody from Queens. Queens, you got a problem with that? Nope, but just asking you a question. <laughs> yeah. And then um, the, most of my life I've lived in L.A. Yeah. So you, right? you, you've lived uh, from yeah, in LA I'm, I'm an L.A. native. I, I was born here. Um, I was born yeah. watching like people like film chips on the streets and 
my neighborhood now water, you know, they did Pulp Fiction out there as well. So I, I, the entertainment industry was really huge out here, even as a child. Chips, the Chips, the Highway Patrol show. Yeah, Eric Estrada. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I used to watch them uh, film it and, and ride down the street uh, down where my neighborhood was, and it was just very common knowledge. And, you know, the one thing about L.A. I can say is that the one of the reasons why people were very cool was because you went to school with a lot of stars, and if you acted any which way towards them, you didn't make friends. You couldn't make friends. So I, have, I have an interesting story to tell you. So Please. Do you remember Post on Pack, right? The original yes. Liu Kang, the video game. The, so uh-huh. we're in Studio City, only because you mentioned you know, we're in a coffee shop. Right. And, and sitting next to me is this girl. I look at her. She smiles. So I, I couldn't help myself. Said, you know, you really look like Sarah Michelle Gellar. And she goes, I am. <laughs> I am her. <laughs> I am her. It's like, oh, okay, I feel like an idiot now. <laughs> well, you know, how's Freddie? You know, I, I told, I started talking to her, I actually met Tammy Prince, you know, Freddie's sister, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, right. that was my, because you were mentioning about, you know, you're going to school right. with a lot of stars. Right. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so that was an embarrassing story. Now you you worked on a, a, you know, amazing amount of video games and movies, you know, films that we've all seen before. But Once Upon a Time in, in China and 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 uh, in America was was a really fantastic film. Uh, other than Feng Saiyuk, which is one of my favorite films, this is one of my favorite series out there. What was that experience like fil- filming with that? Um. That was actually the first movie that I was um, a line producer on. I don't know if you know what that is, but line producer. Yes. You know, they, the producers say, hey, this is the budget, this is the script, can we do it? I'm like, yeah, sure, we can do this. So um, the experience was awesome because I think every problem that could have happened did. <laughs> uh, Murphy, Murphy, I don't know what happened. They, you know, maybe we shot in Texas. Maybe we didn't, Murphy didn't like it there, but he was working overtime. So we had uh, God created problems. Like you know, right. Samuel Hung, the director, wanted to shoot in Texas um, right. because he's oh, there's a drought. You know, we're shooting in the winter, so there's a drought that's going to be good. And uh, I don't know why, but um, we he decided to shoot. At Alamo Village, which is in Blackettville, which is uh, mm-hmm. you know where they shot the Alamo, which is why it's called the Alamo Village, you know, John Wayne, all that. Uh, sure. The only problem with there was so far from everything. But we were like, you know what? This is a great Western town. You know, they look really good, and we had all kinds of challenges because the weather. There was a drought. I think it was like a seven-year drought. Wow. The weekend before we started shooting, there was a deluge, and the water levels were back to normal. And, you know, our trucks were stuck in the mud for literally two weeks. We couldn't move. Like, we could not physically move. <laughs> and the whole cast and crew was there. So I'm like, yeah, there goes the budget. We haven't even started shooting. And I'm already over. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just pretty challenging in that respect. But other than that, it was awesome, you know, watching. Because yeah. uh, Sui Hart came out to direct one unit. Right. Uh, we had a lot of visitors, like uh, Quentin Tarantino showed up. I guess they're all Jet Li fans. Really? Like, showed up. Yeah. Wow. On set, I'm like, I'm like, wow, you guys drove from the airport, which is uh, almost three hours away at the time, because you can only drive 55. Right, <laughs> right. 
the lowest taxes, so I think they let you go sixty. But um, yeah, so we had some celebs come out as well. I guess you know, I didn't realize how famous Jet Li was until those guys started showing up. We're in the middle of nowhere. Racketville's population is five hundred, by the way. Right. Well, Sam Hung is very, very popular as well. He's he's one of the three brothers of of Yoon Biao and and Jackie Chan. So he was he was very he's still right there. He was a very popular person. Yes, it was actually very interesting watching the dynamic. Uh, Yoon Biao is the youngest one, so you know yes. he's like easy to talk to. He, he probably speaks the best English because he spent the most time in Canada of those three. Right. Uh, right. <clears throat> I remember when and um, uh, Rush Hour, you know. Uh, Rush Hour was out, so Jackie had this, uh, you know, was, was up and coming in the ranks again, and we had our own show called Martial Law. Uh, hmm. So everybody's looking up to Jackie. And, oh, and then what happened was their, their Shifu died, right? The, their right. The teacher, That's right. The one who Samu played and painted faces. Yeah. So, and he was living in L.A., so the funeral was in L.A. So I remember at that time, Samu was living with me, um, you know, cause he was moving to L.A., so he stayed with me for six months. And he was like, oh, shit, my, my Shifu died. We have to go to the funeral. I go, cool. Oh, Jackie's coming. We have to pick him up. So we picked up Jackie. It was really funny. Right. People were opening the doors for Jackie, right? Oh, Jackie, Jackie. Right. But Jackie would run in front of Samuel to open the door for him because he was the big brother. Right. So that, was, that was pretty interesting, that relationship. <laughs> I, I found it very interesting. And it, it shows the dynamic of certain personalities when, you know, Jackie was, was punished by his Shifu. And he was uh, just wrecked. He used to be hit by a bamboo stick and, and had to perform certain ways. And when his grandmaster died, he was broken apart. He was really, really sentimental about the entire situation. Well, they, they but all were. You, you know, yeah. what really cool was back in those days, this was like 1990, I forgot, 1998, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. It's been a while back. But my was, back then, there was a flip phone. Right. Uh, I had a flip phone, which was like, I don't know, 480, so like a little tiny, right? <laughs> um, but, but so we were at the, the wake in Monterey right. Park. Right. And everybody who's anybody in Hong Kong cinema seemed like he or she was there. And then there was me. So I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, nobody's going to believe it. Like, Yung Biao's there, Corey Young's there, Yung Wan's right. there, Richard Nang's there. Like, everybody. I was like, oh, my goodness. Even the, the famous girls were there, too. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> I'm the only one that doesn't belong here. I'm technically driving Samo and I picked up Jackie. <laughs> right. So it's like, 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 like finding Waldo. From, you know, I didn't have a phone to take a picture. You know, and I had a little, you know, the flip phones back in the day. Like, yeah. like your face, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was like 30 people that flew in. And it's like, oh, wow, it's a surreal moment. And nobody's going to know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, regardless of the, the horribleness of the situation, it must have been surreal to be surrounded by so many legends. It was. It yeah. was. I was like, and I was, I was, like I said, I was really disappointed because I didn't have the face, you know, they call it face, to ask somebody to take a picture because nobody, right. you know, nobody was really in the picture-taking mood. But right. I think the manager of the hotel came out or the owner or something. They, they wanted right. pictures and they posed with those guys and, I took a couple of pictures. And I was like, "Can I own two? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let me take one also." <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that would have been an awesome picture because, like, literally, like, if you watch Hong Kong movies from the eighties and nineties, like, all those people, were right, <laughs> right, uh, it, it's different. Wasn't there? I don't think Bolo was there. Oh no, Bolo was not there. No, Bolo was not there. <laughs> <laughs> he's a little older, I, so. <laughs> 
I think it'd be very difficult to get that situation repeated. I mean, I don't think you can have that situation. No, because they all have different lives, you know. They had different yeah. lives then. It was more like a respect for the for the teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. You know, an, another film that you did line producing for was 18 Fingers of Death. Uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. I love I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love that film. It, it, it was a must see for all of us. Uh, that's cool, man. No, he was um, we. He was a low budget. You know, it was, it was James Liu's. Um, uh, you know, James Liu is, is a pretty cool uh, martial artist as well in his own right. And, you know, he, he wanted to direct and star in it. And uh, we had some pretty cool people do some cameos and help James out, like, you know, Lorenzo Lama showed up. Um, and it was Pat Morita's last film, you know, the last film that he worked on. So I was a little sad. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was you know, intended to be funny. Yeah. Um, we weren't able to shoot as much as we wanted to because, like I said, it was low budget. But um, I think they did a good cut. And, you know, it could have been funnier. But, well, like they say, you don't really see what gets cut, right? <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so we we kind of knew it could have been better. I'm not, I'm not saying it was bad. It was actually pretty funny, but dang it, it could have been a lot funnier. That's all. <laughs> right. So right. It's still worth watching. Still worth watching. And it was just sad because it was Pat Maria's last film, and he, he moved on right. to the bigger theater in the sky after. Yeah. Yeah. Old Mr. Miyagi. But it's good that we it's good that we have something to hold hold on to. You know, that's what's great about film and what have you is we always have something to look back on and, and hold praise to. I remember when Pat Morita died and, and when, when you look at like the Karate Kid, I mean, he's immortalized. Like that, the crying scene he did, which, which got him nominated for an Oscar, by the way. The crying oh, okay. scene he did, the crying scene he did when, his, when he was talking about his wife dying, yeah, it yeah. always makes me tear up. I don't care oh, how many times I've seen it. It always makes me tear up. Because, you know, to see such a strong man be fragile like that, uh, you want to cover him up. You want to protect him at that moment. So there's such yeah. precious moments in these films. But you, you've I been a line producer. What? what was it? No, Pat Morita. There was a character where he played, where they played with the Fonz, right? Yeah. Like yeah, he was. Uh, that was in Happy Days. Happy Days. He was the store owner or something. Yeah, he was the restaurant owner. <laughs> oh, restaurant. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it was originally uh, it was originally like a white guy Italian guy who owned the, owned the restaurant, and then Pat Morita took took over it. What's interesting about that is, is like he played like almost the Othello character. Was they never pointed out the fact that he was Asian, surrounded <laughs> by all these white people. <laughs> so I always thought that was cute. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. They say if you're a good actor, then people just see the acting and not yeah. uh, race or color or whatever. Yeah. That's the way it should well, he, be. Yeah, well, I saw him do uh, a reconstruction of him doing Pat, of him doing Mr. Miyagi, and he started doing the Mr. Miyagi voice. And it was it was ridiculous to see a man who's a stand-up comedian, who's he's had a comedic background, who is an excellent actor, go into this character. It was it was really fascinating to see him act hmm. yeah so you yeah. No, he, uh, he, when, he, when he was working with us on 18 fingers of death he had already yeah. lost a lot of weight yeah he was smoking like yeah. crazy too it's like as if he knew like he didn't have much time left so yeah go out with a bang 
Oh yeah, no, I know about his. Uh, I know about his camper. When you open up his camper, a a, a big plume of smoke would come out of that camper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I I know several people who uh, went off to see him before he passed away, and and uh, and uh, when someone's story was in particular was like they wanted to meet their his idol, and they opened up the door, and the whole the all the smoke came out, and was they got a second secondary high. So not only did they get to meet mm-hmm. their idol, but they also got high at the same time. It was incredible. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> but, uh, That's you know, we'll go, we'll go on to more line producing a little later on, but you, you've done a lot of stunts. And it, one of the things you've done is the Fist of Lotus, which, which is an excellent film. So tell us about, or, or Fist of Lotus was actually the video game, right? You didn't work on the yeah. movie. Yeah. No, it was the video game that you um, worked on. No, so yeah, it was a, it, Fist of Lotus is an interesting story because uh, John Tobias, yeah. um, you might know him because he was the creator of a, a famous game called Mortal Kombat. Yep. So a few years later, he calls me up and says, I want to make another game. I'm like, I said, well, what, you ran out of money already? It's only been like, what, a decade? I spent billions of dollars, you know, from, from the number one game that Congress banned, so everyone wanted to play it. You know, because Congress banned it, so even made more money. Right. So I said, I want to do another game. So it was like, okay, well, it, it had several titles. I think that was one of them, too. Right, right. But, you, yeah. You've you yeah. done, ins- you done an insane amount of games. What, what was it about the gaming industry that they got you first of all, excited about it. And then what, what got you interested into video game industry? It was an accident. Accident. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I should have gotten into film. I would have got residuals. <laughs> exactly. So the, game, the games I've worked on, um, interestingly, I've, I've earned, I've sold over 15, 16 billion. Right. But that's it. You know, if that, were, if that was movies, you get residuals, you know, because the uh, Screen Actors Guild and all that good stuff versus video games non-union. But hey, it's a lot of fun, so no complaints. Um, yeah, but it was an accident. What happened was, um, I forgot which one it was, but it was, uh, oh, it was um, Lineage, a long time ago. Um, it was the, one of the first online games. It was big in Asia, specifically, especially Korea. Right. Uh, that was the game that people were dying because they would not stop playing. Oh, my gosh, that Lineage. was the game. Yeah. Yeah, that was the game. Um, so everything, I, you know, um, I was like, we were we were actually trying to find rights for a movie, right? To for right. games to make movie uh, rights from games to make movies from for Samuel at the time, and and there was this game called Lineage, and they were like, oh, well, can we? Uh, we'll have Samuel do your choreography. So they asked Samuel, what's your rate? And they go, ooh, and they go, they looked at me, and was like, oh. You're friends with Sam, right? So you, you want to do this? I go, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, it was an accident. It was just an accident. <laughs> it was an accident. So I worked on lineage. I had a lot of fun. You know, the mocap, motion capture back in those days. It was like the late 90s. It was really crude. Right. Um, it was fun. The, the ping pong balls were the size of the markers, you know? Yeah, how many? How many balls? Because yeah. I mean, nowadays you have like literally like sixty-four balls that are on top of a character. I mean, you must. How well, many balls do you have on a character? What? It depends on the system now. Okay. Uh, like for example, there's uh, PCAP, which is performance capture. Uh, okay. Different houses are different things. We did uh, uh, late last year. We did a project for Time Magazine, hmm. which is a 
museum piece at the uh, Chicago Museum. It's Martin Luther King, The March. Right. So it was a VR, AR, 3D. Um, we recreated, basically, I Have a Dream, hmm. uh, the march and speech of MLK, uh, which is kind of cool because I think it's a museum piece, and the message is still timely today. As That's incredible. Realized it. But, yeah, that one, for example, at Activision, they used, for example, the face. They used, like, 60, I think, 60 markers on the face. Uh, digital domain was like a hundred something. I'm like, oh my god! Wow. Different systems, right? Different systems. They, they, I right. Think they like 120, so they want to get every muscle twitch or whatever. Um, right. And then the body depends again uh, on the on the system. Right. Um, I think on average, 50, 60 on the body, hmm. and then the face again depends on you know because they're they're two separate things. It's not, right. you know, you can capture them at the same time, but right. there's two, like the face is being processed separately and the body is being processed separately. When you're watching so, like Josh Brolin in, in Avengers Endgame and Infinity War, what do you see about that process? Is he using like the state of the art process or, I mean, obviously they are, but it, it, what kind of dotting process are they working for that? Um, the more common software is motion builder. That and then uh, movies. You have to understand, um, big budget movies. What they actually spend on the making, not the marketing, but the actual making. Mm-hmm. So a studio movie would probably be like seventy-five to hundred million. That's a big budget, maybe one hundred twenty-five. Right. You know, the rest is marketing and all that stuff. So it goes up right. to two hundred or whatever million. Video games, like for example, the, the Call of Duty franchise. I remember the first Call of Duty we did, everybody's like, oh, we have a budget. The second Call of Duty, everybody's like, oh, the budget's a little bigger. The third Call of Duty's like, what budget? The fourth Call of Duty's like, who gives a shoot? Just keep reshooting until we get it right. <laughs> that's a progression. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the average AAA game, not just Call of Duty, but, you know, probably some of the games you play where I can't really talk about them because... Yeah, that, you know the company I worked for years. Ago, what are you doing plugging somebody? Here? But, <laughs> the triple A titles, what they call them. Uh, I remember uh, ten years ago, ten million, right? It's like ten, twenty million triple A titles right. in a good game for that kind right. of money. Now it's like a hundred or more. <laughs> right, right. So like, I mean, you you were. You work on some huge but, licensing. I mean, you did you did you, you did a what. Uh, uh, Spider-Man Three, you did. We did, uh, we did most of the yes. most of the Marvel games. We did yeah, Fight Club, James games. Bond. And these are yeah, huge properties. Guitar Hero, I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. Um, I love Guitar Hero. Hero, Guitar Hero. Yeah, and then and then what happened is we were a lot busier before, and then they realized that uh, the publishers realized that you know what, if we do music-based games, the money goes to the artist. If we do. Uh, right. IP, you know, superhero games, the money goes to who owns the superhero. So they're like, we're doing all this work and everybody else is making the money. It doesn't sound right. <laughs> so <laughs> they stopped doing a lot of stuff, a lot of games and titles. And that's why, you know, I worked. So got reduced as well. Right. So COVID, go away. I need to get busy. Right. Tell me about the beginning of, of Call of Duty, because, you know, you started at the very beginning of the Call of Duty franchise. And that's, it's one of the, I mean, most, one of the biggest franchises right now. It's one of the most competitive franchises right now. 
COD has played, I mean, over so many different countries. But you, you began with, with that game. You started off with the first ever game for PC and for, and for, uh, for uh, like the Xbox and for a PS4. Or PS, yeah, it was PS2 there, back there's, then. There's so many, there's so many different iterations. Yeah. Of Call of Duty, there's probably I don't know. Uh, you did, you did Black Ops as well. I mean that you did, you did, you yeah, did a I lot work, of the series. I work on that part. I work on the Black Ops series. Uh, I work on the remasters of uh, Modern Warfare. Yeah. Um, we did a second unit on. Uh, I forgot it. I think it's either World at War or. Uh, no, no, not World of War. World War Two. So World of War was one of the first early Call of Duties. Right. That was one of the time because that was when we were trying. You know, that's when we were actually recreating the sets. Like we built like skeletons of helicopters and and planes and stuff. So it was authentic, and and then we realized, you know, this is overkill. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> hey, it was trial and error. <laughs> You can fix nope. it in post. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. That's like the worst thing you can ever say in the world we can fix it in post. <laughs> well here you literally can because you know, you just uh it's a video game. It's like it's yeah. empty space. So we were we were trying to be authentic and we were we were building scale, you know, sets and bones, just the bones of the sets. Right. Right. Um and we're like, wow, we don't need a lot of stuff. Later on, we figure it out. Like, you know. But hey, live and learn. Well, you did first, mm-hmm. your first assistant directing as well. I mean, you 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 did a lot for that for uh, you know Black Ops and Call of Duty that's Black usually, Ops Two. That's usually what I do. I do. Um, I wear a couple of hats. Uh, on games, so different than on films and TV. On games, it's I usually stunt coordinate or right. action choreograph, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then I do first AD. First AD means I just, you know, basically since um, if there's action involved, and I call action anyway, so and set it up so like it just evolved, and all of a sudden I'm just doing all the okay action, let's go, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So that was just a natural evolution. How, how does it does it does, how much does it change from first assistant directing in st- stunts? And in that kind of world, in film and in video games, what, what's the difference like there? Um, it, there's hardly any because you're just, you know, you're still shooting. You want to, you know, make your day, so to speak. You don't want to lollygag and waste time. So you just keep, you just keep the the shot, you know, the shoot rather moving. That's all it is. Safety first. Make sure nobody gets hurt. No, not going to worry. Be lucky like that. Is there are, are there a lot of chances of getting hurt while you're playing a video game, um, or while you're creating a video game? Well, you know, while you're playing a video game, you get carpal tunnel, you get your fingers, <laughs> my elbow hasn't recovered, my forearm hasn't because it's like holding the damn controller. Right. <laughs> so and fingers get sore. That's right. So making making a video game, uh, no, because we we. Um, I mean, you know, there's some falls and, and, you know, like in Call of Duty, there's a lot of, um, we do a lot of uh, wire work as well. But I would say it's not as, as risky. Um, um, or maybe we just know what we're doing. I don't know. But we haven't had anybody hurt yet. Um, yeah. oh, oh, this is a funny story. So one of the busiest actors is uh, a, a gentleman named Jeremy Dunn. Yeah. Busy because, you know, he, he works on a lot of games as well. Um and he was carrying 
um, one of the gags was he's carrying a wounded soldier, right? Like right. dragging him out of a firefight, and he dropped the soldier on his face. I was like, dude, seriously? <laughs> that was <laughs> like, he's supposed to let him know that oh, my 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 group is slipping, so he can protect himself. He's acting dead, man, or he's acting wounded. <laughs> that was Ben Jenkins too, who dropped on his face. I don't know if you know Ben, but he's like one of the top yeah. three uh, parkour people in the in the planet right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like he has a six foot um, box jump. Wow. You know, ben Jenkins. That's huge. But anyway, yeah. So yeah, no, he's he's a freak of nature. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Jeremy dropped down in his face. That was like the worst. Yeah, that was pretty much the only injury that we. <laughs> he's just, he just carrying him over and just drops him on his face, and, and that's it. Yeah, because he was dragging him by the the collar. He was face oh. down. Right. You know what I'm saying? So Jeremy's shooting, acting like he's shooting, and he's trying to drag Ben out of arm's way, and then his grip slipped. Right. He forgot to tell Ben, you know, protect yourself. <laughs> so it was a funny moment. Ben wasn't happy, but, yeah, that was pretty much so. It wasn't even an injury, but that was, like, the, the worst that happened to us. Yeah. So, so you've been doing a, a lot of, of different stunts right now for like for, for video shorts and, and for short films and what have you. One of the last games you worked on was Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Um, yeah. so, so we're closing out the COD, the COD experience that way. Uh, did you did you know that that was going to be one of the one of the one of the one of the, a big hit out there? Did you know just because you worked on the other COD films that this game also will be a gigantic hit? Well, I, for some reason, they, it's hard for them not to think so, them meaning the publishers, because, uh, like, Avatar, or, you know, they go, uh, what was the one that grossed a billion dollars recently? Um, anyway, Which Avatar was, was the, uh, yeah, Avatar grossed did. a billion dollars, it was the fastest yeah. movie, it took two weeks, yeah. it grossed a billion dollars. Recently, there was a Marvel um it grossed a billion as well. It was uh, that was Endgame, yeah. Was it Endgame? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Endgame grossed a billion dollars in like uh, less than two weeks. The Call right. of Duty pre-sales are five hundred million. Wow. So even wow. the first release, people are you know putting down five hundred million in, on you know deposits and stuff. So it's hard for the game not to make money, you know, because there's just so much, um, there's so many people already anticipating. And you know in advance. I mean, th- th- I think that's one of the incredible things that you you know ahead of time that this film is or this game is going to be successful, unlike a movie. Yeah, which is what I was telling you. Like, it's kind of funny how, like I said before, it was like, oh, we got to watch the budget. And I was like, what budget? There's a budget. <laughs> 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 well, what? The budget? Who? What's that? <laughs> who said that? <laughs> yeah, who said that? Like that was like the last decade or something. You know? Well, you you yeah, worked on a, lucky like that, you know. I you know I don't know I don't know how lucky you can possibly get on on those on those games. I mean, sometimes people know what the what the budget is going to be because they they see how much money's coming in. But I I don't know what kind of uh, investment they make into like mocap and what have you based upon that. Um, it's hard for me to know because a lot of people are just it's very not, cheap. It's not, um, yeah, no, there's, it, there's, it's competitive too. It's competitive too because, um, you know, console games, the, the main the main games are, are uh, free to play, you know, like right. phone games right. and console games. Well, of course, PC, you know, PC, which which I guess is on its own, but I, I tend to lump it 
in console. Uh, that's very competitive, you know. Right. But um, I guess if you're lucky, it's hard. It's hard um, if you if you play right. It's all about replayability. That's mm. what I tell people when they ask me, you know, how can I make a good game? Just make sure people replay it and it's still fun. Right. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you you play a game, you get through it. Like in a weekend, you invest the weekend playing in a game, and then. And then that's it. You can't play it again because it's just the same thing over and over. You know. Right. Right. Um, Black Ops Four, interestingly, right? It was supposed to be. Um, I mean, it's already out, so I can't talk about it now. Right. It was supposed to be one of those types where um, it was choice based, like the action would take you somewhere based on your choice. Like if you go this path, then it opens up, you know, different branches of stories, and if you go that path. So the idea was to make it super, super duper replayable. But then halfway into the project, we're like, oh, my God, this takes too much memory. The, the existing console, because they're not going to be able to handle it. We'll <laughs> save it for another. For <laughs> so we just basically scrap. They, they decided to scrap everything and just do, do over simpler. Right. But I was very disappointed because I was, like, all excited to play that because, you know, you were seeing all these different choices you could make and where it would take you, like what part of right. the world, you know. Right. It would take you to fight whatever battle, but hopefully the next one. Well, we're going to start the next one, but... But you can't talk about that one. I can't talk about that one. Just the yeah. next one. Yeah, there you go. It's going to be delayed release, though, because nothing's happening right now. <laughs> I know. I know. It, that's breaking my heart. I mean, you know, just the fact that video games will be delayed right now because, A, it, it can't be produced until this thing is over with, and, and, and B... Everybody's playing older games now because they can't get newer games. Yeah, but it's still fun, you know. Um, what, what's sad is traditionally um, during times of, you know, uh, economic downturns and, and duress and stuff, people turn to entertainment, like movies. You know, as a matter of fact, time and time right. again, even during the Great Depression, you know, movies were going strong. You know, people You're say, right. Hey, now they can't even go. <laughs> So binge watching took took its place. And now some of the shows are not being updated either because they can't shoot. No, they can't. So, you know, I think there's something there is there is something wrong with binge watching as well because people don't get a, a full sense of the series because they watch it so fast. They move on from that point on and they almost forget what they watched before. Which is why so I think, when you asked me what have I been watching, I felt like, oh, I don't know, I see my eyes open, and the image just flashed before me. And I thought, oh, yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> I've been watching like 15 things that I know. It, it, you know, that's the one thing that breaks my heart, you know. And a, a lot of these films are going to Netflix, Disney Plus, uh, Amazon Plus. And the thing that breaks my heart is that people will watch it once and forget they even watched it. Yep. How about you? What have you been watching? Because maybe you'll remember better than me. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of community right now. I watched I watched Self Made with uh Octavia Spencer. And that's mm. the one show that I keep on telling my audience to to watch. It was a really a beautiful four-cut film uh produced by Warner Brothers. I thought it was beautifully made. Part of it felt like a Baz Luhrmann film. Mm. Um, but it was really really well done. Really well done. So I, I would say that uh the show Community that was done by the Russo brothers and by Dan Harmon, who created uh, Rick and Morty. 
it, it, that was always a wow. favorite show of mine. So I'm, I'm rewatching season one, two, three, four. I just finished Grace and Frankie, which is with, uh, with uh, Lily Tomlin and uh, Jane mm-hmm. Fonda. I yep, love, yep. love, love that show. I, I recently had the, um, the woman who tailored all the outfits for that show on, on the radio show. And she was wonderful, but yeah, she, she, she dresses everybody. So yeah, I love, those are my favorite shows right now, but I can remember watching them. Yeah. I can remember watching them. Thankfully. (laughs) Those are the shows that, that actually have um, stuff to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, they're, they're drama dramas. Like I, I uh, go watch like lawyer shows, cop shows, that kind of thing. Right. well, you, well, the one thing I, I love about talking to you is because you, you, you know a lot of the people that I fell in love with because I can watch like Sammo Hung and everything that he's ever made in my, in my entire life. Jackie Chan and like Drunken Master 2 and, and uh, you know, well, Funk, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, and watching like Funk Sayok and, and anything with like uh uh, you know, any, anything to do with like the Drunken Master series or, or even the, what was the name of the series it was called? Not Drunken, Drunken Monkey, but it was uh, Golden Monkey. Monkey? What was it? Oh, Monkey King. It was, it was yeah, Monkey, Monkey King. King. But there, there was one, there was one film based on, on uh, a character that Jackie plays, uh, plays a lot of. And it was the father who dresses up like a ninja at night and brings the money to all the people. And he has a child who is, who actually was played by a girl at the time. And she was quite a warrior as well. And it was monkey something. Um, I just can't remember the name of it for some damn reason. Hmm. I'm sorry. It's skipping my mind to the senior moment. <laughs> I, I, I know. But yeah, you know, Samo was quite an amazing human being because he was a larger man. And the amount of athleticism and the amount of, of work he put into his showmanship was incredible. Incredible. Nobody, nobody told him that he was too heavy. Or he didn't know yeah. that either. <laughs> really? Re- well, you asked about Once Upon a Time in China and America. So there was a scene uh, and the ending. Um, Jet Li is supposed to fight uh, Joe Saya on the windmill, right? In the yeah. End. Right. So we're trying to get that shot. And Jet Li was like, this is impossible to do what you're asking me. So I remember <laughs> Samuel takes off his headphones, throws them down. He goes to Jet Li, watch me, I'm fat. And he does it, he goes up the windmill, he does exactly what you know, was asking Jet Li to do. He comes back down and goes, see, if I can do it, you can do it. And, and all, the crew, all the crew was like speechless. <laughs> yeah. like, and then somebody whispered to me, I love that guy. <laughs> we were like, oh my god, you see that big guy going, you know, like swinging around the window. Like right. Right. He uh, felt obliged to do it, and, you know, because Samuel showed him how to do it, and he was able to do it. But that was like, oh my god, much respect. Well, all the films that they did, like Meals on Wheels, with, like, you know, uh, oh, Jackie like Chan, and, yeah, Samuel and 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 Yung Biao. Yeah, they they were they were amazing. It always reminded me of the um, of the uh, Bob Hope, Ben Crosby, sh- you know, movies where they where they went yeah, on adventures. Yeah, except there were three of them, a lot like the Three Stooges, yeah. and they did their yeah. own thing. But you know, like 
Like watching Jackie Chan beat up like you know uh, Benny the Jet Arquitas was was that amazing. Was one of my favorite fights <laughs> all time. Yeah, seriously, Jackie. He has to, he has to realize to like relax and, and see it as a sparring session. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very well choreographed. Uh, that's one of Samuel's strengths, actually. Samuel was an awesome fight choreographer, action choreographer. Yeah. So you know, I asked him once, "Why? Why do you have to know all these different styles?" And he goes, "Because I do choreography." I'm like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was always concerned about, oh, like this is like this style, this is that style. You know, and I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Right. But yeah, so that was, you, um, yeah, but that that's, so you like uh, Lucky Stars then. Oh, love that Lucky series. Stars. Yeah. That's, that's what made them, that's when they started as a, the Three Stooges of Hong Kong, if you will, you know. Absolutely. They they showed they showed how their personality really worked well together, and when they called them the brothers, it made it made a lot of sense because they 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 looked like brothers to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it was like large, medium, and small. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, they um, well, they yeah, they're they're martial arts brothers. They're picking up our school yeah. brothers and yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, they they um, of course, Samuel was the big brother. Yep. Um, yeah. No, they they um, they're very tight. Yeah. Did they, you did you have a... like, they'll fight like brothers and you know, but then they 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 you know come together all the time. I would I would hate to be in the room as they fight. That must be uh, like an intense ex- experience. It's very interesting watching them because they're boys, right? So they'll play around. So they'll, they'll right. play kick each other, play punch each other. But when they get serious, like if somebody's pissed off and they square up and they're Wing Chun, then I tell myself, <laughs> that's what I need to learn. You know <laughs> because they're, they're kicking, they're spin kicking, they're punching, punching, and then somebody gets hurt and all of a sudden it's and it's Wing Chun. So I'm like, that's what I'm going to learn. Well, Samo is an iconic character, and uh, after Super Cop was made into a TV show here here in America, after it was such a huge hit in in, in Hong Kong, um, everybody got to see his skill and his talent out out here. But what, what was it like working with? I mean, you told several experiences of working with Samo Hung, but but what was it like working with like a legend uh, amongst people who may or may not know how great he is? Well, he never considered himself a legend. Um, he was just him. Hmm. And we played golf more than we worked together because really was passion was really. Yeah, it was really funny because if the call time was 7 a.m. on set, it would be like, oh, 7, 10, time was pulling up, right? Right. If our golf tee time is 6 o'clock, like, you know, 5.30, it's like, hey, man, let's go, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> what? So That's that was, incredible. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's great to play golf with because I always wind up with new clubs. Yeah. He gets upset when he throws them away. Ooh, another club you <laughs> <laughs> he, th- he would throw clubs around? <laughs> no, he didn't upset. He took his golf seriously. Uh, he took yeah. his golf very, very seriously. So he really wanted to be good at it. But I told him golf is a sport that it's hard to be good, you know, unless you play, like, you know, a job, like eight hours, ten hours a day. Sure. Not just, you know, a couple of days a week, <laughs> if that. Right. Or once a week. Yeah. Oh, well, he's a great yeah. man. It, 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 was, it must have been a great pleasure and a great honor to work with such, you know, revolutionary human beings. Well, in a way, it was sad because, um, you know, after 
America, I don't think, is ready for, for an Asian star. Like, Jackie, even after, um, you know, Rush Hour and Shanghai Nights and Shanghai Noon, he could not open a movie by himself. Like, just Jackie right. Chan, you know, an American right. movie. It's kind of like Bruce Lee, you know, Kung Fu became a white guy. You know, the, the TV right. series became David Carradine. So, I don't know why, but... You know, Jackie Chan is the biggest action star in the world. Like anywhere in the world you go, right? Um, you know, people know who he is. Uh, right. Samuel to a lesser degree, but you know, people also know who he is. So they basically just relocated and moved to China. They're from Hong Kong originally, and then now they're in China, and you know, they're right. staying busy. Right. So yeah, but because I guess you know they weren't ready for like real. Well, I, I, you know, I agree with you. Jackie yeah. and Samuel. Well, they 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 were competing with like, you know, Steven Seagal, and Jean Claude Van Damme. There's there there's listen. That's it's water and lemonade. It, it's 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 yeah, apple. It's it's, it's, yeah, it's apples and a rock. There is completely <laughs> different. You know what I mean? It's completely different things. But people would compare them together, and that's what would really, as a martial artist myself of over thirty years, that 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 that's the thing that would really annoy me the most. It's like there's no comparison between Jet Li and Steven Seagal. There is no comparison. Yeah, well, I remember they do different things too. Like um, um, Seagal um, eats donuts. Control, no, the control is uh, a little off. Like he, he likes to hit people, like right. for real, because he feels it's more realistic. You right. Know, it's like, you know, there's ways to shoot that so you don't hurt people, you know? Right. Um, right. Now, like Samo and Jackie and Hong Kong people, if somebody gets hurt, it's not who they're fighting with, it's them. Right. Like, for example, I remember um, there was a movie called Mr. Nice Guy, which. Oh, I love Mr. One. Nice Guy. Yes. Remember the construction site that there was a lot of action happening there? And yeah, the where you used the ladder? Where, yeah. No, the wheelbarrow where Jackie was supposed to, before the wheelbarrow falls into the into the ocean, he's yeah. supposed to grab the pipe overhead so the wheelbarrow falls in not him. He right. missed. <laughs> <laughs> so like, okay, somebody go you know, dive and get him. And so like I said, they would hurt themselves. Instead of, right. You know, but not, not somebody else. Right. I guess that's the difference. Yeah, that was, I think that's the main difference between the two actors that you mentioned and, and the Hong Kong actors, you know? Right. Jet Li, well, Jet Li is a little different. He's, um, he's actually from China, originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mainland China. Does, mainland China, yes. Not, not Hong Kong, you know? That's right. Um, so he, um, he does wushu. Right. So it's, it's a little different. Um, uh, like, you know, he looks flashy and cool. He's very flexible because of the wushu. You know, just like that. More right. like a dance. I remember, in the true story, a lot of people are going to get upset at this, but um, one day I asked Amo, so um, if Jackie Chan and Jet Li fought, who would win? It looks to me like Jet Li would die. I go, why? Because he does wushu. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but he would, he would look good. He would look really cool. He would look really good doing his stuff, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, because then, you know, I didn't really, like I said, I was like, I was more focused at the time watching them mess, mess around. Ooh, and they get serious as Wing Chun. I was like, I want to learn that. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, so generally uh, very flashy and stuff, but, but Tom was like, well, Jackie knows how to fight, like really fight. Right, right. So, 
you know, the way I got out of that conversation, because I was asked that, that question so many times in my life, the way that I, I'd always answer that question is I don't want to get hit by either of them. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. No, I, like I said, I, I was just sharing that with you because I actually asked that question and that's sure. what Simon said. So no well, if, if you, anybody listening, but, you know, I'm sure no, if you're good at what no. you do, then... I think our I think our audience is bright enough to understand uh, you know a, a humorous uh, story or a story based on opinion. You know, <laughs> it, it's very interesting to see those careers blossom and to see your career blossom as well because you went from that and you 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 work on American Fighter that's coming out very soon, shot by our 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 boy Sean Piccinino. Yeah. Now, now there's a there's a lot of great a lot of great people in that in that film. We got. You know Tommy Flanagan, Sean Patrick Flannery, uh, Christina Moore. I mean, there's a there's a there's a, a litany of people in that film. Yeah, I can't wait to see that movie too because um, the fight scenes were, I heard, were awesome. Well, <laughs> well, you did you did that stunt work for that film. So how was how was that? I had a lot of fun working with uh, probably more because it's Sean Sean Piccinino, our boy. Yeah. He's he's a he's a very very diligent hardworking talented director. Yeah. Um, I've worked with a bunch of directors. You know, I've worked with uh, Bollywood directors, Hong Kong mm-hmm. directors, Chinese directors, European directors, Oliver Stone. You know what I mean? Right. Catherine Bigelow. Uh, but but no offense to them, Sean is is different in the sense that um, he plans. He knows right. what he wants. He makes sure people know what he wants. So we're shooting. We're not wasting time. We're not, you know, everybody knows what's going on. Right. And he knows what's going on. He knows what he wants. So that, that right there is like, it's great for the budget because you don't meander. You know, he doesn't beat around the bush. He knows what he wants to get. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a pleasure working with him. I think more directors should be like him. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, I think, I think Sean, Sean's head is exploding right now. I, Really, it, it, I've always thought that he was one of the greatest artists to come up in his generation. Um, I'm, I'm mm. very look, looking forward to uh, American Fighter. Plug in for, for Sean Piccinino. Remember the name, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That's an awesome director. He's going to start, you know, making a lot of money, being a household name, hopefully winning awards. Well, the he one thing I've always several a handful of movies coming out. So with, uh, he does. We're going to talk. We're going to talk about a couple of them because you've worked on them. But you know, the one thing I've always said about him is that he has a wife children he is so he has a family and he has friends and he works very hard on his stuff and he's very generous and he and he cares about his family where he finds the time to do things you know he just he just works it out and he's always been very caring about you know safety has always been his number one function in working in stunts and you know this so what was it what was it like working on stunts with him on the movie and, uh, and and figuring that whole thing out because you know I'm I'm, I'm suspecting it's going to be a beautifully shot film. He, yeah, I, I you know we have our little arguments because like you know brother right. said I'm like come on dude you gotta let me have this shot no I don't want to oh, come on <laughs> like for example American Fighter I have to tell you this because this is one of my pet peeves so yeah. big guy Grundy right yeah so the the lead actor. Uh, Guy Grundy plays this character called Tank. So right. Because of his name, then I had to have him move like a, a tank, like he would mow people mm. down, right? So that was right. the movement that I, I asked him to do. So, like, for example, uh, the hero kicks him, and instead of Guy Grundy 
going backwards, the hero goes backwards because guy gravity is an immovable object. So he pulls, <laughs> he grabs the hero, flips him upside down. I want him to pause, close up, nice hair, and then he slams into the ground, right? Because he had long right. hair. So I was like, no. Like, what? Oh, come on. You got to break, break up the, the intense fight with something like this, you know? Because Tanner right. would say that, you know? Right. Right. Anyway, yeah, stuff like that. So we have our little disagreements other than that, but he knows what he wants. Right I think I think Sean's going to use um, word on the street like because his kung fu master was awesome. Do you know anything about that? No, I don't know anything about that. No, really? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I heard I heard yeah. he had an awesome kung fu master, <laughs> the humble guy that he is today. So. <laughs> Well, well he, 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 we 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 worked together for full disclosure. We worked together for for many many years, and I, I was very honored and pleasured to have him as as my student for all these oh. years. And, and technically, technically, he is Master Sean Paginino. So he did yeah, he true. did get his masters, and and rightfully so because he he was one of the most one of the hardest working, one of the most hard hardest working martial artists that I that I had the pleasure of training myself. So yeah, he's an he's really an incredible person and an incredible friend. You know, you you worked on Wheels of Fortune as well, and you have a lot of great stars working that, on that as well. You have Matt Jones, Jeff Fahey. I love Jeff Fahey, by the way. Oh, he's awesome. And, that was and, uh, yeah. I worked with Jeff before, and um, that movie, uh, Wheels of Fortune, was like I'm like, oh, wow, you really are awesome. Like he would he would do his own stunts. I'm like Jeff, I'm not going to hang you 50 feet above the ground in a helicopter. <laughs> no, no, I want to do it. Like seriously, no, no, I want to do this. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but he did it, and he was like, oh, I'm uncomfortable doing this." Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> so yeah, hats off to Jeff. He's awesome. Yeah, that's great. You know that I I think these films right now are 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 going to go back into the editing bay once once the uh, coronavirus kind of calms down so he can finish them off and it could be released but these films are looking really awesome beautifully shot and well choreographed the uh, the fighting choreography looks looks amazing and a lot of the choreography is fantastic how hard is it yeah, to to keep to keep these people safe uh during a lot of a lot of commotion that's going on during shooting well we 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 rehearse Okay. Called rehearsal. Um, right. We um, there was this studio that we uh, rehearsed in. Like I heard it's gone in yeah. Barzana when we were doing, uh, you know, which is an awesome studio, small but warm, cozy, nice owner guy. I think he sold it. But yeah, <laughs> so we 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 find places to rehearse in that are friendly, yeah. um, and then we rehearse. It's like a dance, right. you know, because one, right. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So all those beats right. are doing something, whether you're punching, blocking, kicking, blocking the kick, you know what I mean? Spinning, right. turning. So, yeah, well, you know this. Well, I'll tell you, my friend, yeah. I, you know, I was, I was going to open up my school again in, in Santa Monica just, just this year. Uh, I left Ooh. there to open up a school in Santa Monica. So huh. um, I'm going to wait until next year and, and open up my dojo again over here. But I, I didn't want to be in Tarzan anymore. I wanted to stay in Santa Monica. But this is the first time I've ever spoken about it. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it'll, be, it'll be really nice out here. So, so it, it is Santa not, Monica now? yeah, I'm in Santa Monica now. Yeah. Oh, I've been here. I've been here for o- over a year, you know, oh, wow. uh, I, en- well, yeah, I enjoy it out here. <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's nice to, to 
find a place that you can, you know, find peace of heart and peace of mind and, and restructure the way you, you see life and restructure the way that you, you compose your, your life experiences as well. You know, it's, sometimes you're not living the healthiest life, so you need to find somewhere else to find the best you and the best well, way to express to yourself. To be near the, the water, that's definitely, you know. Yeah, it's, it's really fantastic. Yeah, I live near I live near the near the ocean, very close to the ocean, and it's it's very calming and it's very it gives you a sense of uh, honesty because there's nothing like the ocean that gives you a sense of honesty because it'll slap you around like you're nobody. Yeah, it's very calming, and then you realize that oh wow, it's very humbling as well. Yeah. you realize <laughs> that you're you're tiny. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so you enjoyed remember, working on wheel. You, go ahead. Huh? You yeah. remember? No, we were no, talking about the ocean because uh, yeah. Edward James Olmos, I asked him, I was like, why? Because he's a musician, right? Like he, I love, I love Edward James Olmos. He's my favorite admiral from Battlestar Galactica. I oh. love him to death. Yeah, I love him. Yeah. No, I asked him, I asked him, so why was, why did you call your band the Pacific Ocean? Because have you seen it? I go, what do you mean? Just look at it. So big it is. I thought that was the biggest thing out there. So I wanted to be like that. I'm like, yeah. Oh wow, that makes a lot of sense. So, new appreciation for the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> <After> <laughs> that. You just really look at it, you know, like it's like, yeah, well, this is really cool. And then you just let the waves serenade you and calm you, and just awesome. Yeah, that's what I like about LA is you know the proximity of the water. Most See, you've been valley, so. you you've been doing a lot of producing as well. Do you do you enjoy producing, and how different? is producing compared to doing a lot of stunt choreography and what have you? Uh, I think it gives me balance because one is the body. Like when you're doing the action and, you know, you work your body and producing, you have to work your head because you, you think of like, you know, how to um, not have problems because you're thinking ahead. So you avoid problems. You're thinking about contracts with actors, locations, crew, you know, brain stuff so it's a good balance right right i think i think it's good because then i don't get the you know jack of all trades master of a handful none how's that yeah (laughs) (laughs) master of a little things (laughs) things. yeah exactly no i think it's great i think it's a good balance it's very interesting how people um want to see you as one thing Right. Like, what are you? Are you a producer? Are you an assistant director? Are you action choreographer? What are you? They're all you that. They don't right. believe I'm all these things. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, well, seriously. <laughs> right. <laughs> then they realize, oh, you are, huh? I'm like, yeah. Uh, a digital domain, the producer calling me unicorn. I go, what does that mean? Do I poop in color? <laughs> like, you know, you're a unicorn. You're a mythical creature. A mythical creature that's solving a lot of my problems. Because you have, you know, all these different hats that you can bring in. Right. I'm like, okay, right. well, good. Pay me more of that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so you, 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 awesome. you've been a consulting producer, a line producer. You do you know, just an incredible amount of things. But you worked on Sunset Glory, Doolittle's Heroes as producer of, of episode one. The, the new title is For Honor. For Honor. Yep. Nice. Uh, it's um, it's um, we we were we were negotiating with Netflix and we we're about to be released in China. It's primarily a Chinese series. Um, it was held up because it it's about how China helped America during World War Two. You know the right. little raid, right. bombing of Tokyo right. after Pearl Harbor, 
there's this whole trade war thing that China was like, well, we don't want to show that, you know, we're helping America. We helped America back then, and they're killing us right now in the trade war. So that, that you know, got mothballed for a few years. It was about to be released again now because the trade war um, eased up a little bit, right? So let's right. say we can, you know, we can start working, and and then the virus happens. Right. <laughs> so it's terrible. We were working with Netflix because we were going to do um, a mini series. Because China has 46 episodes, right? But it's all pertaining to China, like you know how, um, in addition to helping do a little like the whole espionage angle, like you know. So there's a lot of stuff pertaining to China. Um, so the, the American stuff, which Sean shot, uh, we were able to cut into a miniseries for Netflix. Right? Nice. We were talking to Netflix, and then, and then the pandemic happened, so everything went home. It was terrible. Right. Like, I would think that since the pandemic would happen, that they would want more content. Yeah, but nobody is there to talk to. We, we started talking, <laughs> and it was like, okay, well. That's true. You know what I mean? So, because we were, we were, um, it was Netflix um, International. Like we were dealing with Singapore, right? Um, and then all of a sudden, okay, we'll, 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 we'll get back. To, we'll circle back when everything is calm. You know, it hasn't, you know, we haven't had a chance to circle back yet. Right. But yeah, that would be that would be. Uh, we shot 8K. We were probably the first production ever to shoot in 8K. Wow. So we had uh, we had a. Uh, um, a house full of hard drives. <laughs> was, was that, was that, we were using the Red Warrior for that? Uh, what was it called again? It was three years ago. And we could not even find the camera here. Was it the Helium, I think? I think it was the Helium. Oh, the Helium? Was, okay, yeah. Yeah, 8K. We couldn't find it in the U.S. Like, we had to bring wow. it in from China. That's incredible. So, it's, it's funny how the Chinese, um, they invest in equipment. Yeah. So they they always have the most modern, the brand new, ever everything, and so we had to bring the cameras from China to shoot. That's incredible. They in, they invest so hard into their productions. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, and they're they're beginning to get the story right, you know, because right. before before meaning you know as recently as say five years ago, the good is good, the bad is bad, zero villain, right. black and white. Right. So now they're beginning to realize it's got to be some great, you know. Right. I see yeah, a lot of the Chinese are working with a lot of American, a lot of American writers. Uh, you know, they're when I see a lot of movies now, they're having like, you know, one Chinese writer, one American writer, one Guaylo writer, and what have you. Do mm-hmm. Do you think that's that's bringing a, a different functionality to, to like the to yeah, Chinese cinema? It's, it's, you're, they're trying to make. Um, the most important thing, whether you shoot TV or video game or movie or, you know, um, is the script, is the story. Right. Right. Because you can have a phenomenal story that you shoot on your iPhone and it's going to make, it's going to sell because people want right. to see it. They want to listen to it. They want to watch it. At the same time, you can make a blockbuster budget movie and nobody's going to watch it um, because it's just not there. The story right. Gonna, interesting it doesn't bring you in so i think the chinese are realizing that you know story is very very important so they're investing in that sooner or later they're going to get it right by themselves and they won't they won't need uh foreign writers. right right you know but right now right now i think it's good it's good for them um right because i mean think about it this way you have an audience of 1.5 billion people mm-hmm. so it's five times more than ours right right <laughs> so, right uh, um, 
So, you know, if you have, if you reach a small percentage of that, you make money, right? So if you want, that's why they, you want to make your product stand out a little bit more. You know, you don't even have to try as much as hard as you do here. Uh, case in point, the male lead on um, for, for Honor, which, you know, the dual story, the Chinese male lead, the right. girl is a bigger draw, but the, the guy, um, I was talking to him because uh, when we did our press release in Shanghai, he, his fan club donated a bunch of swag. He says, oh, thanks, huh. man. You know, this is great. He goes, oh, I wish I could do more, but I only have 100, members in, 100 million members in my fan club. I looked at him and was like, and you're not happy about that? He goes, well, you know, I'm one right. of the smaller actors. <laughs> right. Because you, you only had 100 million members. <laughs> like, you know, if it was like, uh, I don't know, Jay Chow or something, I'd have a billion people in my <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you you have several new you have several other films that are coming out right now or sooner or later because you know we have to wait for the pandemic to be over with. But you have what you can't see that you and Underdog Rising, which you did in the Philippines. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, um, that was a video game related. It's about Dota two, D O T A two. Okay, see, yeah, I love Dota here. Yeah, oh, you know Dota. Okay, cool. Oh yeah, yeah of course I do. Legends is what. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we actually shot, um, that's why we were in the Philippines, because there was a, a big tournament for Dota 2 there. So we, we got that footage. Oh, you know who was in that movie is um, Baba Fett. Really? Uh, yeah. He was um, he was in the New Zealand team of Dota 2. Oh. So cool. Yeah. You mean the guy? New team we... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Daniel. No, go ahead. Yeah. And then we had, like, some guys... Uh, a crazy Rich Asian, the actor, the the best friend was in it. Yeah. And then um, Rufio. How did you get these guys? Because you were in Asia. Well, no, because uh, it was a Chinese team, so they oh Chinese actors. Who had nice. So that would be nice. Um, the only the only challenge there is uh, I think they they may have I haven't seen the cut yet. Yeah. But I'm worried because um, like we did a movie called Divorce Invitation. The script okay. was really funny. Uh, we had good stars. You know, we had Elliot Gould. We had um, um, Jamie Lynn Ziegler. We had um, uh, Paul Trevino. You know, we had a bunch of you know, Richard Kind. So we had a, a lot of good actors. The guy who played Grizzly Adams is in it. Wow. Uh, what's the girl's name? I can't believe I'm spacing out. Um, she was, um, like, one of the biggest um, soap opera stars. Uh, anyway. But my point is, so it was very funny, right? Yeah. So at the end, when everything's shot, so we have all the footage, um, and they were like, let's find a, can you recommend an editor? I said, okay, well, we need somebody who does comedy. So I actually referred, because he said he'd do it because he was bored, um, um, the editor who did Rocky, like he has an Academy Award. Right. Um, from Rocky, but also did all of Cheech and Chong's movies. So he does comedy, right? <laughs> so he's an older guy, so he's kind of bored. Yeah, 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 I get this. This is funny. But then the director, he said, no, well, somebody referred Clint Eastwood's editor. I go, wait a minute. We're talking to the guy that did letters from Iwo Jima, Million Dollar Baby, Gran Torino. I go, these are all tragedy dramas. Right. So we don't, you know, we want, but he's like, no, but Clint Eastwood's editor. I'm like, 
have you ever seen a poster that says Clint Eastwood's editor? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a Bollywood, it was a Bollywood director. It was actually a nice, wonderful man. He's a big director in India, and he wanted to make an American movie, which is why he was here, right? And, right. And he was like, that yeah, would we'll make, um, because it had to be Bollywood friendly, you know, Bollywood is romantic comedy. Sure. So that's what this was, a divorce invitation. So, um, and then the cut was terrible. Everything was there, but the timing was just off. Right. Because, you know, you get somebody, I don't know what to tell you, man. If you have a, a roof leak, you don't call a plumber, right? Right. <laughs> you call a roofer. That's, that's all I got to say. But again, I was just a line producer, so the director, you know, made his choice. And I wish I, I could recut that. That would be a funny movie. How do you navigate, you know, going to different countries, working with different crews and what have you, with all different languages, even even the languages that they speak, but the languages of movies and what have you? How do you navigate that world? You just be flexible. Every, okay. every you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Right. But, um, it's just different. You know, like, uh, I think the best system is American. Why? Not because I'm an American, but because we're conscious of the fact that when you're shooting, it's costing a lot of money. Right. Right. Japan is kind of cool. You know, the Japanese are very intense, but they want to meet and talk about, you know, so it's like, okay, we're going to talk about tomorrow's shoot. Right. So before the day ends, talk about, okay, first thing in the morning, the next day, okay, let's, let's make sure we're still on the same page. But two, let's just go shoot. So you're right. Slower because you want to make sure everybody's on the same page. In India, right. for example, this is not, the reason I'm mentioning India is because it's a, it's a big market. They actually uh, make uh, 50% more movies than Hollywood does. Uh, they, they, for example, you call time 7 o'clock. You have the uh, – this is sad because of the cast system, like the untouchables. Basically, sure. like the grunts, the PAs, or not even the PAs. The inter- I don't know what they're called, but the untouchables. Those show up at 6, 6.30. And then the assistants show up at call time, which is seven. The department head showed up, show up at nine. You know, the director shows up at 11. The stars show up at 12. So you shoot for half a day, but it's a full day. But that's just the way it is, which is why it takes them like over a year to shoot a movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, different shows in China is uh, they just throw a lot of resources at it. You know, they have all these different crews. And probably because... Um, um, they have um, a lot of need for content, uh-huh. so they just they just it's it chaos. Um, mm. And then because they were when we were shooting, there was a time that you know the Chinese unit was going, and our unit was going. We were shooting in China as well, and they were like, "Why do those guys us? Why do they finish in twelve hours or less?" And they were like, "I think they planned their day." Like, how can they plan their day? What do they know? Well, they plan their day so they know what they want to do. Because right. then they just show up and they're like, hey, what do we show? I don't know. Let's try this, try that, shoot this, shoot that. So it's like chaos. So hopefully uh, that changes. Then they, right. can, they can actually become uh, more productive. The, the challenge there is the director has too much power in China. Hmm. Versus here, you know, American style is, yeah, the director has a lot of power, but money talks. <laughs> right. If we can right. afford it, we'll try it. If we can't afford it, move on. Right. Right. <laughs> the directors throw tantrums and, you know, so that's that's part of the challenge. Right. But they're learning because ultimately you can't just keep burning money, you know. 
Well, you've worked with so many different teams. You worked on in so many different fields in 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 the entertainment industry. You worked with so many different groups from the Philippines to China to Japan to America. What what do you attribute to your success? I was wondering the same thing. There was a, there was um um I think about three years ago, which is when we started shooting uh, uh, For Honor or Doolittle, you know. Um, I was wondering, it's like, wow, a lot of people that call me are not even from the U.S. Like I work with, you know, the Belgians call, and they, and, you know, when they come to the U.S., uh, I don't really find my name, but they say, hey, heard you can help us, you know, so we did Kazakhstan, we did um, Spain, we, you know, so it's like, it's kind of cool that all these different people were coming. Right. I, I really don't know. I guess, because uh, I'm, I'm not really online that much, uh, word of mouth. Who knows? Right. Now we've talked. We we talked. We talked on the radio show. Well, we we talked a lot on the radio show a lot about casting, and casting for actors or what have you. And and likability, you know, always comes up into play because people have to spend twelve to fourteen to sixteen to eighteen hours with you. Do do you attribute some of that to your success? The the fact that people feel comfortable being with you with that amount of time, and you're competent at your job. Um, well, I, it depends which hat I'm wearing. If I'm right. wearing the line producer, producer hat, then different personality altogether. It's like, sure. Um, Dr. You know, Mr. Hyde. <laughs> right. You're right. It's like money, money. Hey, come on guys. That's serious. You gotta do this. So, so as a line producer, I'm the one that the buck stops with. So usually I'm the guy they complain about, which is good. Right. That way the director's their friend, the producer, the friend, I'm the villain. So that's cool. Right. That's almost by design. But when I'm right. doing the 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 action stuff, the stunt coordinating or choreography, action choreography, then totally different, totally different personality. That's why it's funny. People that know me, like, they come to set and they go, oh, he's a stunt coordinator. Why is that? You look at him, he's smiling. <laughs> you know, uh, right, right. Go, oh, he's, he's, he's a live producer because he's, like, all serious and stuff. So, yeah, that, that's that's a difference. So you're malleable. You you're 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 malleable, so you're you're you, you can you can really change upon different circumstances. Well, you gotta you gotta do the job, and you know you have to do what the job requires. Right. If if you're a pushover for line producer, then everybody just runs all over you. Right. And then your budget goes out of whack. Right. Right, especially in union shows, where you have to you know the teamsters you know push at you and stuff and. I mean, I'm not saying push back badly, but you got to stand firm and say, look, come on, guys, this is not professional. This is like, you know, or this is not right. Right. Some people, oh, okay, I'm scared of your team, sir. You know, they're, they're people too. You know? Right. <laughs> Shout out right. to Steve Diane. He's an awesome right. team too, the, the team, sir, boss. Right. We, we mentioned Samo Hung. You know, you, you spent you sp- spent 10 months at your house and what have you. I can't imagine Samo Hung wanting to spend time with somebody who is unlikable and, and, you know, not, not kind and what have you. What would you attribute to? Really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I doubt that very, I doubt that very highly. <laughs> I doubt that very highly. Yeah. So he, loves golf. He, he loves to play golf. I like to play golf, golf. Yeah. We like golf. Golf doesn't like us as much as we liked it, but hey, we had fun. Right. Right. He, uh, it was funny too because I used to work out a lot. Like you know, I was, I was working out trying to be in shape. You know, mm-hmm. Venice Beach, whatever, Muscle Beach. And then he right. moves in with me, 
we would go to a restaurant, sit at a table for six. The table would be filled with food and we'd eat it all. And it was like, it was it. Forget about working out. That sounds like heaven. So, yeah, I kind of kind of messed up, you know, because then I got kinda, fat as well. <laughs> kind of messed up your body. <laughs> Pretty much. And I was like, oh, forget about the gym. Cancel all those memberships. <laughs> but what do you, what, he liked to cook, too. I had to buy another freezer. Really? Yeah, the fridge was like basically whatever I needed, you know, just a little bit here and there. Right. He moves in, all of a sudden it's packed with food. And I had to buy the freezer to keep shopping. <laughs> like, are we going to eat all this? He goes, yes, we will. And we did. <laughs> so, he loved to cook. He was awesome. Right. Was he a good cook? He was an excellent cook. Wow. He, he actually opened a restaurant in Vegas, but unfortunately uh, it didn't do well because it was not in a prime location. Right. It was it was early. It was like 20 years ago. So it was a little wow. early. You know, the Chinatown today is cool. You know, the Chinatown right. area. Right. There. But back yeah. then it was just an early stage. It was not cool. Was yeah. 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 Nobody was there. <laughs> so. Yeah. R- wrong timing, I guess. It was wrong timing. Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what are you looking forward to in your in your career right now? Is there is there something that you're you're aiming your 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 finger towards? Something that you you're really looking forward to doing? Uh, first and foremost, just to work right now because, like I said, uh, right. everything stopped. Right. So uh, I think I'm getting tired of binging. I told you I might actually start reading. <laughs> Well, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> it's the first time I heard, heard anybody saying out of guilt, I, I might start reading now that I'm just bored to death. <laughs> no, right? Because <laughs> it's like read scripts now, let's do something, you know. So I think right. what I want to do is I'm actually going to start um, before I retire, uh, so that before I guess the next decade comes and I want to do my own stuff. Right. Except I actually write. It's funny, there's a, there's a project that I've been talking about, and I probably sold it like six or seven times over, and I haven't even, hasn't even been written yet, just on the concept. Mm. Nice. So, yeah, I can't tell you what it is, but yeah. Of course but, you um, can. But something, something that you want to do and something that you're looking forward to doing. Yeah, so that's what I'm going to try to do next is because uh, um, it's funny. You know, I, I know people that, that raise money. I know some actors and, you know, so I so figured it's about time, time to do my own stuff. Well, let, let, you know, we're running out of time, you know, it was, it was great talking cool. to you, but let me put it, let, let me, let me, let me, you, it was fantastic talking to you, but let, let me put a little hypothetical out there. You know, there's, there's a little kid in New York and he's watched your films. He's seen your career. He's played your games. He knows who you are. He wants to move out to LA and he wants to start a career what did, what advice do you have for that for that kid? It depends what he wants to do. Right. Can you help me a little just, bit more with the hypothetical? Does he want to? Do yeah, maybe maybe he maybe he wants to, to follow in your footsteps. Maybe he wants to do line producing, producing. One day he wants to be his own director, his own writer. He wants to do his own thing. But in, in the meantime, he wants to follow in your footsteps and help other people create their their own dreams and their own functionality. Well, my, my, I don't know how to follow my own footsteps because everything is just, you know, life or the force or the universe or, you know, it's just been nice, kind to me, I guess, you know, because like, um, it's just giving me opportunities. And so I guess luck, 
But I right. think it's better if you actually have a plan. <laughs> so, right. So right. If if he's in New York, I would probably say stay there because there's a lot more production going on there than right. in L.A. right now. Um, right. I mean, right now it's pretty bad there because that's the epicenter of COVID-19. But right. Uh, yeah, I I would say go take classes. You know, if you want to be a martial artist, go see Master Steve Pisa, right? But, right. Uh, you, you take class and you learn because knowledge is power. Um, I would I would um, not be afraid to ask questions. Right. And, um, you know, be nice enough so somebody would like to mentor you. Right. Because mentors are awesome. You know, they, they teach you more than classes do sometimes because they have real, real, actual experience. Hmm. A lot of the, I'm not knocking them, but it's true. A lot of teachers don't really know what goes on the film set. Like a right. lot of the uh, crew that I hire, because I'm usually hiring crew, you know, as line producer, I hire most of the crew, not all of the crew. And they don't really, they, go, they come out of film school and then they know a lot of theory, but they don't know what to do. You know, like they right. don't know how to deal with people, uh, what really happens, like how to sell their projects. They don't know anything. It's just all theory that you learn in school, which is quite sad. So what I'm saying, yeah, go to schools, at least you have the theory, but at the same time, uh, look for a mentor, and then somebody can tell you real life, this is what happened. Right. And right. go where the work is. So what's what's a good place, if, you know, chances are you'll be working. You'll be working in New York because it's busy, or it will be busy when everything settles back. Georgia is still okay. L.A. is not, not bad, but, you know, it's not as busy as, say, New York and Georgia. Right. Right. If you're trying to look for work, you know, then you, you go where there's a good chance that you'll be hired. That makes sense. Well, how can we get in touch with you? How can the audience reach out to you, see your stuff, continue to follow your career? Do you have an Instagram, a Facebook? Uh, is there anything that we can look at? Um, Facebook is Noel Vega, my name, N-O-E-L-V-E-G-A. Uh, Instagram, I haven't been posting a lot, but it's producer Noel Vega. My Instagram. Okay. And then amgfilmsusa.com is the website of my company. Hmm. Well, we'll continue to follow you. Okay. Be uh, kind when you visit the website and work. I should work on that. (laughs) Take advantage of the fact that, you know, we're on lockdown and I should work on that. You should. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of reading that book, get started on that. That would be hilarious. <laughs> well, my friend, it, it, it was an, it was an honor talking Thank to you. You, you know, I, I haven't talked to you in years and it, it was wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for your advice and for Thank your you kindness for and for me. your stories. Thanks, sir. I'm going right. to give you a clap away, my friend. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. You all have a nice day. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Noel Vega. What an amazing human being. I haven't seen him in years, and, and he's still as, as uh, energetic and as kind with his stories as, as he's always been. You know, very uh, generous with his stories about Sammo Hong and Jackie Chan and Jet Li and working on the five fingers of death, as well as, you know, once upon a time in China and in America, he's an incredible human being. who's had an incredible career. You know, one of the things that I would say that really helped his career is likability because 
who wants to spend 12, 14, 16, 18 hours a day with, with somebody they don't like? Why would Sam Hong spend that much time with somebody he didn't like? I mean, regardless of golf. I know he tries to make a joke out of that, but it's likability in there. He's worked with Sean Piccinino, which is one of our friends. Worked on a multitude of video games. And see, he still has the, the great advice out there to tell you to go get a mentor. And, and uh, still has a sense of humor. And he's uh, affable and kind and generous. Noel Vega, thank you so much for joining us today. You were a treat. And a great man. We, we really respect your career and yourself and we appreciate your time today we're happy to have you part of our family working with people that we know and working with people that we will soon know we appreciate your time I like what he said at the very end about getting a mentor focusing on yourself finding a place that that has work. Those are all very mathematical perspectives on on your career. As you can tell, he's not very flowery with the advice he gives. It's very it's very straight to the point. And I like that. I enjoy that. I enjoy people who Sometimes embellish on, on what you should do in your life. And I like it a lot when people tell you straight up on what you should be doing. Thank you, Noel Vega, for being on the show today. It was, it was our pleasure and our honor to have you on. And thank you for telling those wonderful stories about the people that we love to watch on the silver screen. And thank you for producing and doing stunt choreography for all those video games that we love playing. Especially right now during the pandemic or or lockdown. We love playing those games now more than ever. Watching those movies now more than ever. Ten Fingers of Death. Thank you so much, my friend. To all of you, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you listening to the show. I appreciate you giving me a venue to express myself. I appreciate you listening and taking time with me. There's nothing else I'd rather be doing than spending this time with you. I want you to remember that this is a good time for introspection. To look deep within yourself. What you're doing, what you want to do. Writing that book, reading that book, making that movie, watching that movie. Don't forget to forgive yourself. Reach out to people. Reach out to people. Even if they don't answer back, reach out to people. Love yourself. It'll help you loving other people. It'll always help you love other people. Love yourself. This is a time for us really to go to our rooms and Think about what we've done. I appreciate your time. This is Cinema Files Radio. 
I'm your host, Steve Pisa, and I am the one who is blessed. Thank you very much. God bless. Love you all.